Uh, I'd like to welcome you to uh, today's session of SACPA. Uh, please, could I remind you to turn off your cell phones? Uh, and I'd like to acknowledge that our events take place on the lands of the Blackfoot people and Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3, and pay respect to their past, present, and future cultural heritage, beliefs, and relationship to the land. We commit to do our utmost to assist with efforts to mend and heal past and present injustices. My name is Amanda Scout, and I co-chair co Reconciliation Lethbridge, and I'm your moderator today. Um, I'd also like to announce that the talk and the question and answer will be recorded, and excerpts from PowerPoint for the presentation will be on the daily broadcast. Please. Uh, Today's menu is, I think I heard chili, right? Chili. And if you're going to have that, please put $14, uh, $5 for students in the bowls at each table. If you're just going to have coffee, it'll be $2. Uh, please ensure that the correct amount is in the bowl before it's collected. Uh, the meeting will be at right away. Uh, the speakers will present for 25 to 30 minutes. We'll then break for lunch and um, have a Q&A right after lunch, and we will be finished by 1.30. Um, I'd like to introduce the two presenters today, who are um, Mr. Jerry Firth and Mr. Joey Blood. I'll just read a bio of them. Uh, Joey Blood, a gay Niskim, grew up on the Blood Reserve and his Blackfoot name means many buffalo stones. Joey was raised in the Blackfoot culture by his parents, who are elders for some of the Blackfoot sacred societies. Joey is also a member of one of the Blackfoot so sacred societies now. He attended school on the reserve as well as the Lethbridge College and Red Crow College. Joey has been involved with numerous agencies both on and off reserve, with much of his time being spent with youth and families. He is now an Indigenous recovery coach with the Indigenous Recovery Coach Program through Arches. Jerry Firth's Blackfoot name is Bitana, meaning Eagle Man. Jerry is the program manager with the Indigenous Recovery Coach Program through Arches. He is a registered social worker with both his bachelor's and master's in social work. His areas of interest are in community development, social planning, reconciliation, human rights and equity, inclusion and diversity, and addictions and recovery. Jerry values the power of relationship with family, friends, and community. He is active in many community groups, committees, and initiatives, including Reconciliation Lethbridge, Lethbridge Diversity and Inclusion Alliance, the Rotary Club of Lethbridge Mosaic, and the Lethbridge Uplands Neighborhood Association. Welcome, Jerry and Joey. Okay, Damix Kanatoni Nitaniko Pitana. Hello, good morning, everyone. My name is Jerry Firth. Uh, my Blackfoot name is Pitana. Uh, it means Eagle Man. Um, it was given to me by Roger Prairie Chicken uh, a couple years back when I was attending Gnotsusasin, uh, which is an all night smoke, uh, as w when I was used, actually used to work for the city of Lethbridge and was doing some work with reconciliation in Lethbridge uh, and had an opportunity to participate in that ceremony for the first time. Um, and it was a, 
the name was gifted and bestowed upon me for for the work that I, I was doing with, at the time within reconciliation. Uh, but also, um, well, I don't I don't like to tell the rest of the story because I feel a little uh, I, I would say uncomfortable when I share the rest. But uh, I was told that um, it's an important name for the work that I was entering into. So um, I'm humbled and honored to to receive that name and. I hold it dear to my heart because it's important when we uh, do work such as what we're going to present on today that we we keep in mind um, the path that we are walking, uh, specifically within reconciliation and the work in that area. Uh, I also then just want uh, Joy to come up and uh, acknowledge himself. A little bit higher for me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Uh, good morning. Adamics Ganatuni, Okin Estona Goat, Kagate, Niskim, Kixit, Samatsuk Binan, Okinestun, Nitsagan, Ekoan. Good morning, everybody. My name is Joey Blood, and um, I, I work with the Indigenous Recovery Program as a, an Indigenous Recovery Coach, and I've been working with the program a little bit over two years now. And prior to that, I was working at Opokasin as a, in a, uh, a youth mentor working with youth in the foster care system as well as a family preservation worker uh, providing supports to families in, um, in whatever supports that they were needing. But yeah, I, I've, been, uh, I've been tasked to come today to speak here on, on behalf of the Indigenous Recovery Coach Program, and I appreciate that, Jerry. And the organizers here have asked us to come and speak on the program that we've been running over a little bit over two years now. Um, and just another little quick uh, introduction about who I am. I am. I'm from the Blood Reserve. I was born and raised, and I've been living here in the city for a little over three years now. Um, I currently, um, the Blackfoot name that was bestowed on me was by my uncle, Martin Heavyhead, um, who's a prominent elder on the Blood Reserve. And uh, I have some family members here in, uh, in attendance right now. So if I start sweating and getting a little bit nervous, it's, it's their fault, not mine's. No. <laughs> Thank you. So Joey and I are going to share a little bit uh, about the Indigenous Recovery Coach program with you. So we'll be bouncing back and forth. Mike will be going up and down because we have a significant elevation difference. Uh, and I, we appreciate that there was an land acknowledgement. This is important for us as a program to acknowledge the knowledge and the wisdom that comes from this land and the people that have resided on this land for many years. It's also important that uh, we acknowledge and recognize that Lethbridge is home to a, a very diverse population of Indigenous people, First Nations, Métis, and Inuit. Uh, our program is designed to, to hold on to that wisdom and knowledge of the land, but also to, uh, to share and connect folks to some of those other cultures um, that may come from other areas uh, across the nation. Um, so we just wanted to put that out there. We also want to introduce some other folks that are really important people. Um, the Indigenous Sharing Network isn't just the program itself. There's so much more. Uh, it's important to acknowledge the Lethbridge Indigenous Sharing Network where, where this program was conceived. Uh, Amanda Scout and Trina Teller are, are two of those folks that are in this room today. Of course, the uh, I don't know if I have the exact name, but the Health and Wellness Subcommittee, is that the one? Okay. They were the ones that had conceived this, and I want to get into that in just a moment. Uh, we also want to acknowledge our elders um, that support us in our program. We have Peter Weasel Moccasin, uh, Roger Hunt, and Pam Heavyhead. Uh, we, we're also currently looking for a fourth uh, elder at this time. Um, 
With Arches, we want to acknowledge uh, our exec executive director, Stacy Bark, and our uh, director of programming, Megan Williamson. And for those folks from our program who aren't here today, uh, we have our team lead, Kelly Smith. Uh, three of our other recovery coaches is Garrett Standing Alone, uh, Lacey Devine, and Starley Brave Rock. And one of our other recovery coaches is in the audience with us, Nolan Little Bear. We also have our program evaluator, Kathy Haight, and of course our partnerships, which we continue to expand and explore, uh, but currently we, we do work quite closely with the uh, Sikotoki Friendship Society. Uh, we also work and are continuing to strengthen our relationships with the various um, opioid agonist uh, therapy uh, clinics within Lethbridge and detox and treatment centers across the province. We're also currently uh, continuing to build and strengthen our relationships with the Kainai Health Services. Um, along with uh, other programs within ARCHES themselves. So just a, a, a bit of a history then where this program came from. Like I said, the conception started with the Lethbridge Indigenous Sharing Network through the Health and Wellness Subcommittee. Uh, at that time, they were really focusing on how can we address the opioid crisis within Lethbridge, especially with its profound impact on the urban Indigenous community. Uh, at that time, they had conceived this idea of a recovery coaching model and, and then overlaying it with an Indigenous uh, way of knowing. They had approached Arches at that time as an organization that would have some capacity to uh, adapt and implement the program and had proposed this then to, uh, for INAC funding and was successful and uh, through the urban programming of Indigenous, or rather the urban programming for Indigenous peoples the implementation uh, started uh, with the hiring of myself as a program manager in April of uh, 2018. We then hired on our first coaches in June of 2018 and started to undergo training for all of our coaches at that time, which would include the certification for professional recovery coaching. Our first participants then entered into the program of August of 2018, so we are now just a little bit over a year into, the, into our programming. Another important element here is the evaluation and program revision. The program is designed to undergo um, transitions and adaptations over the first three years. The reason for that is because it's actually the first of its kind in the entire world in the way that we're approaching it. Um, the recovery coaching model is pretty prominent down in the States and in some areas of, of Europe, but it's not very common in Canada. In fact, we're not even sure if, if it does exist anywhere in Canada at this time uh, other than ourselves, but I know there is a lot more interest in that area. But what does make us quite unique is that this is the first of its kind from what we understand where we take a cultural lens to the recovery model. And so it's important that we spend the first three years to create a, a, a program that fits not only our context, but to understand how we can approach a two-eyed uh, view of, of using Western approaches for recovery and an indigenous lens for recovery. Yeah, no, this is, uh, this first year that we, um, we, we started with the program, of course, it was all about building that rapport and getting the program out there and visiting the, 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 the places here in the city that we have a lot of the, the, the people that we work with. So going to spend some time in uh, Galt Gardens, going to spend time at uh, SCS or going over to the shelter. 
And a lot of it was just trying to build that connection, networking with our, um, our participants that we're hoping that we can start uh, getting into the program. And so in doing that, we, um, we also had some, uh, you know, some, some hit and misses along the way. Um, but for the most part, just this first year has just been, been, been full, of, um, full of a lot of surprises especially with the, uh, our participants that are in the program. And for myself coming into this position, I hadn't realized how little I knew about what was going on here in the city, as well as uh, my knowledge of, the, uh, of addictions. But with the work and the training that we've had to do in obtaining that knowledge, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for the fact that I'm in this role because um, it's something that hits very close to home and trying to provide that support and trying to maintain those supports and maintain those relationships. So it's just trying to, um, it's just figuring out what was working and what wasn't working. And a lot of times it was just maintaining, like I said, I may be repeating myself a little bit here, but just maintaining those uh, interactions with our participants and trying to provide that support that maybe they haven't had or they've had um, interactions with other agencies, but it just things just never worked out for them. So trying to see where things weren't working for them and trying to build on that, as well as things that may have already been working for them. So there was a lot of different things that we had to uh, look at in this first year. And then now moving into the second year, just maintaining the things that have been working as well as uh, continuing those, um, the, the, the networking that Jerry had spoke to that you know, there's a lot of service providers out there and you know, the collaboration that we can do can, can, can really have a lot of success throughout, throughout the city and throughout Southern Alberta. So I don't wanna to get too much into the background of things uh, because I think there's some more important things for us to, to to present to you today, uh, but we do have program objectives that have been set out in front of us. Um, we have program objectives to address the larger scale of uh, the opioid crisis within Lethbridge, specific to supporting Indigenous adults recovering from opioid use, uh, but we also have then specific recovery coaching goals to help create an opportunity to make this uh, program a realization in Lethbridge. But I do want to touch a little bit more on the program outcomes. Uh, importantly, we have two broad outcomes, participant-specific results and community-specific results. For the uh, participants, um, we're looking to see a reduction in opioid relapse and overdose deaths. Uh, we're looking to reduce addiction switching, such as developing addiction to crack while on their opioid agonist therapy, either th uh, methadone or suboxone, uh, to increase participant engagement in community resources, services, and supports that will help them in their recovery journey, along with and including in, uh, Indigenous resources. A reduced use of emergency services among participants in the program and an accelerated improvement in multiple life domains that impact um, that are impacted by opioid addiction. For the community-specific results, uh, we are also focused on building capacity within the urban Indigenous community in Lethbridge to run a recovery coaching program for opioids, which could then be applied for, uh, sorry, uh, from other forms of addiction. 
We also are looking to build a collaborative environment and a model to address the opioid crisis within the urban Indigenous community of Lethbridge and also providing a model of, on how to integrate Indigenous ways of knowledge and cultural healing into recovery coaching program within the Canadian context. Importantly, this program wasn't just conceived out of thin air. Uh, like I said, there was, uh, this model is well utilized in many other areas across the world, and it was re researched uh, ahead of time to understand the elements that um, would be incorporated as the theory behind the program itself. So we do have nine key principles with an addition of two um, principles that relate specifically to the indigenous lens. And I just want to highlight a few of the really important ones. So first off, um, in this understanding of recovery coaching model is that all people have strengths, pardon me, all people have strengths and capac capacities that can be nurtured. People can grow and prosper given ex access to control over the resources they need to thrive in their community. Uh, recovery coaching services are based on goals, needs, and desires of the participant rather than on a predetermined level of service. And for the, uh, and another important piece then is that cultural identity and engagement is central to health and healing for Indigenous people. So those are a few that I think would be really important to highlight um, of, of why this program exists and the foundation that we work from. So who do we support? Indigenous adults undergoing opioid agonist therapy for opioid addiction in Lethbridge who are as, as seeking support in their recovery. And just trying to connect them to, we, we work primarily with prairie treatment um, and we set up appointments with them where we either get them on Suboxone or Methadone. And then we go from there and providing other supports, maybe financially, uh, living accommodations, as well as getting them reconnected back to their cultural identity through our Blackfoot teachings as well as our elders that we have um, on, our, on our committee. So it's just trying to get those people on some kind of road of sobriety that we're working with as well as uh, any referrals that we get from the different agencies that we, we were already working with. And then again, alluding back to the networking that I was referring to, but just in any, any way we can get the word out there and hopefully connect to the people that are needing us. Um, someone's going to talk. <laughs> so w through, uh, there's, there's a few definitions out there currently for recovery. Um, this is the, the definition that we use for our program. It was based on the, the existing definitions out there, but from a lens that made sense to us within the Lethbridge context, but also from an Indigenous way of knowing. Uh, so I just wanted to present this up there. We, I don't want to spend too much time on how it exists, but importantly, it's that we have a lens to work from. Now, this is one of the adaptations that we made from our first year into our second year, just trying to understand what that continuum of recovery looks like. Uh, a lot of recovery is based on the stages of change, the trans-theoretical trans stages of change model. Uh, so we took that and created uh, a lens that made sense to us within our context. And 
essentially the goal here is to help support people to move across that spectrum. Um, as you can see from uh, the exploring recovery, early recovery, and active recovery, those three phases are the ones where we are more predominantly involved, and the, the, the front one there is outreach and rapport. Those are folks that aren't really sure about what recovery looks right, like for them, but we keep them on our radar, and we want to make sure that we uh, are aware of them and they have the supports that they need so that there can be an easy, smooth transition when they start to look at that uh, concept, or sorry, that pathway of recovery for them. What's really important about this image is that uh, ultimately what we want to see folks is to move upwards into what's referred to as the source. Uh, what this means uh, essentially for the program is building enough recovery capital and being introduced into a recovery community that they can maintain that recovery. What's really important that, and that we acknowledge is that recovery, rather addiction itself, is not isolated to an individual. Addiction is systemic of societal um, societal dysfunctions um, and break, breakdowns. And so it's important then when we look at recovery that we strengthen the community around us and we have honest conversations with each other about why addictions exist and how we can move forward together as a community that supports people in recovery. Yeah, so like Jerry had mentioned, that uh, recovery capital, that what, what we're hoping that we can build up uh, within the program. So we have here a little bit of uh, kind of broken down for you for the cultural capital, social capital, physical capital, and human capital. For our, for, for our program specifically, we, the fact that I could come into this position and share my knowledge of where I'm from and share the teachings that I was raised with through my parents as well as the many different elders from our community. And a lot of our participants have at some point come in contact with an elder or some kind of form of ceremony. That, you know, there's that basic knowledge there, but it's just trying to help them build on that, that knowledge and provide that sense of community and belonging for them. So for our program, these, these capitals that you see here, they're important to us, but it's that, that top one that we really try and uh, provide the, where we, where we uh, pull a lot of our, um, our services from. Yeah, and so we do, we have certain interventions here. So in, in, in regards to the cultural activities that we provide, we do once a month sweats with our participants. We have our elders that will come in and then, uh, do traditional face painting for our participants, provide prayers for our participants, and then as well as activities such as beading, um, moccasin making, dress making. We even have had a couple of our participants that wanted to teach a, a cooking class, and we've had a couple attempts at it, and, and they were very successful. So just trying to find what's gonna work for our participants and what they're comfortable with, and we're finding more and more that pulling from our, our Blackfoot teachings is what's really uh, uh, driving the force here in our program. So as Joey had mentioned, uh, one of the really important components of our interventions are that cultural 
approach. Uh, the other four that are that uh, are significant to the recovery coaching model itself is the motivational interviewing. And that's really uh, an opportunity to have conversations with folks to help them sort of unravel and discover what a recovery looks like for them, to encourage them and to even inspire them into moving further across that continu continuum of recovery. The goal setting is an opportunity, uh, opportunity for them to pinpoint what what a recovery then looks like for them and how they can make it into manageable steps, manageable um, steps towards a path of recovery. And then the navigation services is really that opportunity to connect folks to the services and supports that do exist in our community and where they don't, it's an opportunity, to, opportunity for us to kind of understand and discover how we can bring that as a re, uh, reality. And then the one uh, component that doesn't exist at this time is the peer supports. Uh, it's an it's a intervention that we are currently work on, working on to create a peer support groups, specifically for indig Indigenous adults uh, recovering from opioid use, but also peer mentoring. So like Joey had said, some of our folks, they, they want to give back, and that's really important. So we want to create opportunities where they can do that while telling their, their story. So... I think it's important that we end off then with our last few minutes to talk about some success stories. Um, we, in the first six months, we collected success stories and we're actually working on this last six months to collect some more. And sometimes it can be tough when you're doing this work day after day. It's hard to see that success a reality. And then when you slow down a little bit and you get the stories from the folks who are experiencing it, it's an honor to hear uh, not only their story, but the impact that our recovery coaches are having in these folks' lives. So I'm gonna read one and then Joey's gonna read one and I think we'll be on time. And then Joey can say whatever he'd like after that. Uh, so this first story is about facilitating access to culture and treatment. Uh, in October of 2018, a 24-year-old female who was heavily entrenched in her addiction joined the IRC program. The recovery coach invested a great deal of time developing rapport with this young lady. Once trust was established, she expressed a desire to start OAT and would consider treatment. The recovery coach helped her contact, or sorry, connect with OAT, that's again, OAT is opioid agonist therapy, and access medical screening services to address her health needs. She was accepted and appreci appreciative of the services provided by various health professionals. This young lady was culturally involved prior to her addiction. Unfortunately, she had lost her sacred pipe, so reconnecting to culture and replacing her pipe was a priority goal for her. The recovery coach connected her with elders and indigenous community members who were most familiar with her preferred ceremonial practices. This young lady embraced the cultural supports and was able to establish a sense of stability, which motivated her to attend treatment. The recovery coach facilitated the application process and arrangements for her to attend a 54-day treatment program in March of 2019. At this point, the young lady was highly motivated to attend and did very well in the program. Upon return, she reconnected with her recovery coach and continues to receive supports to prevent relapse while she reintegrates into the community. More importantly, the family of this young lady reached out to the recovery coach to share their gratitude for the cultural reconnections. They indicated, <clears throat> excuse me, they indicated this is the very best they have seen her. The cultural, family, and recovery coaching supports are all working together to help this highly motivated young lady maintain sobriety.
One Indigenous participant was in the IRC program for a short period of time. The gentleman was on OAT when he had joined. He was stable and well into his, his recovery, but needed some support to find employment. The recovery coach and the participant set personal goals to get a job, sort out finances, and find suitable housing. The recovery coach helped the participant connect with Samus Aboriginal uh, Employment and Training Services, where they helped with resume writing, uh, preparation for a job interview. The recovery coach also assisted with transportation, transportation, various types of financial and rental paperwork and employment applications. The gentleman was successfully in finding paperwork and employment applications. Oh, sorry, the gentleman was successfully in finding employment. He is financially stable, housed, and owns his own vehicle now. He is very independent now and has graduated from the IRC program. He just needed a recovery coach to help him set goals and walk him as he worked to achieve those goals. So it's just really helping maintain those success stories. And the way we um, measure success is in many different ways. It doesn't have to be something as getting a new vehicle or getting a house. When we set these appointments with our participants and then they in turn follow up with those uh, in, in appointments, you know, that's a huge success for us because they're wanting to maintain that connection with us as well as when we have um, our elders come in and get their to get their faces painted or just even to have a conversation with an elder you know it's a it's a hard topic for them to talk about and it's hard for them to open up in in in, in different capacities but i feel for myself that's a real success when we get our participants even just to have a sit down and talk with them you know but these are just some examples of the success stories that We've um, we've we've seen over the past two years, and 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 there's many more to come. You know, we have a lot more to look forward to. So thank you.